Somewhere I went from pursuing wellness to hacking my body. All of it, and this is what I'm only just realizing, every bit of it comes from a space where I understand that I'm just not good enough the way that I am. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and it's me, Ella. It's a solo episode today, so... Wherever we are together right now, I'm so glad that you are sharing this moment of your day with me. And I know things have been a little nutty lately. Mother Nature has just been like off the chain all over the world. And I just hope wherever you are that you're feeling peaceful. And what gives me peace right now is just being utterly grateful for having this time with you. So hi, and thank you for being here with me right now. I have not been nervous since probably the very first time I ever recorded an episode. Probably three years, maybe, it's been since I've been nervous to get on the mic here and talk with you guys. And today, I'm nervous. I'm not sure that I should be doing this episode. I promised you an episode. I talk big and then I have to like, you know, do it, execute. But I shared with you recently that I would do an episode on my disordered and dysfunctional relationship with food. And it's been a long, long dysfunctional relationship that I've had. And it's probably my longest, most dysfunctional relationship. (laughs) I don't know whether that's good or bad. And I feel so confused right now, like, is this the right thing to do? And why would anybody care about my historical relationship with food? And are you guys like sort of overhearing me talk about this? And I'm having all the insecurities that we get whenever we do something new or whenever we do something vulnerable, all of those voices that you get in your ear telling you not to do something. And so I'm going to choose to think that I'm feeling that way because this is important and I need to do it. So I'm choosing to think that the reason I'm feeling resistance right now is because this matters, but it feels weird. And part of it is it feels weird to air a bunch of my dirty laundry, but also I want to be clear on why I'm doing this. So I had a chat with myself. I said, self, why are you doing this? Why do you need to talk about your history on the show? And I had three intuitive answers immediately. And the first one is that I want people to understand anyone who is struggling with any of these issues, male and female alike, overeaters and undereaters, anyone who is struggling with a disordered relationship with food or a dysfunctional relationship with food, I want you to understand that you're not alone in this. And I think we all sort of know that. And at the same time, there's nothing lonelier than being lost in something that feels like an obsession, even I dare say an addiction. And it's just a very lonely, isolating place. And also it's something that a lot of people who are healthy don't talk about. So I'm healthy, I'm athletic, I eat well, I take care of myself. And yet I still had this demon in my life that just constantly would pop up and still surprise me, still had the power to surprise me. And I just thought, you know, maybe there's a few other people who can relate to this who will actually not just take comfort in, but actually get some power from me sharing this experience. 
The second thing that I knew I was trying to accomplish was I just wanted you guys to know that there's just so much more than this. Like we are designed to do so much more than spend hours of our day thinking about food, berating ourselves for food choices, being unhappy with the way that we look, being happy with the way that we look. I mean, honestly, just thinking about the way that we look or feel because of what we've eaten or haven't eaten or how we've exercised or haven't exercised, just spending time there positively and negatively is just such a profound waste of time. And I feel so passionate about that, that it's worth me embarrassing myself and being vulnerable and sharing what I'm going to share with you today, just so that we can all sort of come back to center and be like, why does this take up so much space in our lives? Like I have got so much more to do. And honestly, that feeling is what sort of drove me to get over this and finally deal with this once and for all. And then finally, I want to also challenge. So I don't just want to inspire and comfort and empower, I want to challenge, and I want to challenge some of the norms that we've created for ourselves. I want to challenge the way we think and the why we think, and I want to challenge what we are comparing ourselves to, because I think I think if we really spent time here and really said, wait, what, what is this ideal state that we are comparing ourselves to? I think we would understand logically when we remove the emotion that it's a false reality. So maybe it's just me, but I constantly compare my actual to some ideal false reality. It's not a reality. It's a false reality of this like, uber me. It's like super perfect me. Super perfect me would never do that. So, or super perfect me looks different and wouldn't make these choices and would make these choices instead. Again, perhaps it's just me, but I have challenged my normative thinking and challenged the thing that I am comparing myself to and realized that it's imaginary. And that has really sort of cracked my world open. So hopefully I can do an effective job of sharing that with you as well. So like anything, when you're scared to do something, the only antidote is to just do it. So here we go. All right. I wanted to share with you kind of my journey to adulthood and my journey, my relationship with food has so much to do with body image and what I understood my ideal body standard to be. And I personally could not separate the two. So I think it's really important. And you'll hear me go back and forth in between the two as though they're sort of one in the same. And that's because for me, they really have been. So just a couple things to get out on the table. So I have always been just like average height, average build. You know, I'm not skinny. I'm not heavy. I'm just, I'm, if I'm anything, I tend to be more athletically built and muscular, but not like crossfit exceptional, like nothing exceptional at all, okay? Medium height, medium build. And I don't have some raging fat loss story to share with you where, you know, I have had this profound physical transformation. That's not my story either. I have been, I counted, I have been six different sizes in my life. Now, if you know me off air, that might surprise you. It shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> I have been six different sizes in my adult life. How whack is that? And I've never been really overweight. I at least gain weight rather evenly. So I gain weight in proportion. So I've never really had like what I guess people would call a weight problem. Now I've had a weight problem. (laughs) 
had a too little weight problem and a too much weight problem. But I think you understand the spirit of what I'm saying here, which is I don't have some huge fat loss story where people don't recognize me who knew me 10 years ago. That's not my story. I've been sort of an inflated version of me and a deflated version of me. And now I'm just me. When I was zero to 12, (laughs) that was my story. I was just me. I didn't know yet that there was anything wrong with that. And then somewhere in the ages of the 12 to 14 year old window, I don't know exactly, life happens. I started to understand that I wasn't pretty and I wasn't skinny and I was the wrong shape. I didn't look like the girls in the magazines that I was seeing and I didn't look like the women or the girls that I saw on television. And I was getting messages from my own circle of influence that there was a certain body type that was beautiful. And that body type, if you're interested, was lean and long. It was tall, skinny girls. That was the message that I received in my childhood from my immediate circle of influence. And women who were tall and skinny were to be admired and everybody else just had the wrong body type. Now that was never explicitly said, but that is what is implicitly stated and reinforced every time a certain body type is admired and therefore by definition all other body types are rejected. For example, and I don't want to pick on anybody in my life, okay, (laughs) they're not here to defend themselves and I also had the benefit of having a really wonderful uh, childhood and loving, lovingly dysfunctional home just like many of us, right? But the messages that I got from the females in my life were literally here's it's best told through story so let's say we're going to the grocery store and we pile out of the car and so if there was say an adolescent young lady walking into the store who may be 11 the women in my life would be like oh I would just kill to look like that you know and I'm going she's 11 (laughs) she's she weighs like 73 pounds, but that was the ideal. And, and then, and then my mom would say, oh, I know, but look at her long, long legs. I'll never have that. And so my mom, who happens to be beautiful and petite, my mom always wanted to look tall and lean and really, really skinny. And that was just never going to happen. She was stuck in a beautiful petite body and in rejecting her body, I understood that my body was never going to be up to snuff because I was shaped the same way. When I hit this age of puberty and started getting curvaceous but didn't grow seven feet, (laughs) I started to understand that my body was not only not the right kind, but now holy hell, it was like going to town. I had no hope of being tall and skinny and looking like the people that were in the media at the time, which were a bunch of extremely thin, lean, lean women. I just didn't stand a chance. So I was a late bloomer. And when I started to change shape, I was just completely off the grid now. (laughs) You know, I had boobs and a butt. So that was absolutely not the aesthetic that was in style at the time. And I had been conditioned my whole life to understand that that was absolutely not the goal. And I didn't spend a lot of time trying to become taller or skinnier because there was really no way to do that. So instead, I just learned that I was always going to be subpar. And from a physical standpoint, I was always just going to be average at best. Now, bear in mind that I was a gymnast up until about the age of puberty. So right before everything started going haywire, I had been 
a gymnast in the gym at least three, maybe four, even five times a week. And so I never had to give any thought to what I was eating or whether I was getting any exercise or anything like that because I was a full on gymnast and athlete at the time, right up until about the worst time to quit a sport. And that is right at the onset of puberty when I developed interest in other things and I left the gym. I didn't leave the gym for any other athletic endeavor. So I remember being in high school and the boys in my high school, I went to a small high school and everybody knew everybody else. And the girls found out that the boys had rated all of the girls or some of the girls or most of the girls, I don't know, but the girls in the class. And they wrote their names down in one column. And then in another column, they wrote face. And in another column, they wrote butt. <laughs> And in another column, they wrote legs. And I don't know if there are any more columns, but then they proceeded to score all of the girls on the list on a scale of one to 10 for the body parts that they had listed. When you are that age and you find out that that has happened, you might feel some disgust and also you feel a whole lot of curiosity. <laughs> and this is so hard to fathom now, but I remember that I got a three for face and a 10 for butt. I had braces and a perm at the time. We all need to talk about it. And I remember having mixed emotion and one of them was pride and another one was mortification and another one was embarrassment and another one was yeah, well, that's me. <laughs> Great butt, not much to look at. <laughs> and I have no idea what it said for legs because I didn't, I didn't care probably because I knew uh, that, you know, I wouldn't even qualify because I wasn't tall and skinny and I didn't have long legs. And I remember just all these little flashes throughout my teenage years and you have your own story and even guys, you know, maybe you were really underweight relative to your peers or maybe you were a little bit chunky relative to your peers or maybe you were a super fit football playing athlete. I don't know, but everybody has these sort of flashback memories, right? And those were mine. The general theme was that I was not pretty. I was not the right shape but that I did okay kind of making the best of what I had, right? That was kind of the story of that period of my life. Now I went to college and again, I was not super obsessed with my appearance at all, but a funny thing happened. In my sophomore year, I gained a significant amount of weight. I have no idea why. It could have been that I was eating Lucky Charms for breakfast and lunch and dinner. It could have been beer. <laughs> It could have been stress. It could have been the fact that I thought that a low fat diet was the way to get skinny. So I made sure to avoid all sources of fat. So it was basically on some sort of white potato, low fat snack well cookie diet. <laughs> Probably just freebasing sugar and starches the entire time. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But what happened was I was going on a trip where I was going to be in a bathing suit. And so I wanted to get in shape for that trip, you know, <laughs> righteous motivation. And so I did what you do. I deprived myself of calories and I exercised a lot. 
And guess what? It worked. And underneath that puffy Lucky Charms body was my gymnast body and, you know, my, my, my curves and my shape and a cute figure that was revealed when I deprived myself of food and over-exercised. And as you might expect, it wasn't sustainable. And so I swung back in the other direction after the short-term motivation disappeared. And my weight fluctuated up and down, but it wasn't a priority of mine. And then when I graduated from college, I was in what I later realized was a not healthy, not happy relationship. But it didn't feel like it at the time. I didn't really realize that for what it was. But it was a long-term committed relationship. And I ate my way through my feelings in that relationship. So I'm now out of college. I'm in my very early 20s and I look like someone has pumped air into my body. And I remember having dinner with my dad and he just said, don't worry about it. You're just big boned and you always have been. So that made a mark. <laughs> and I, I filed that away, right, in in the thing that I would try to eat my way through later. And I'm not, oh dear God, I'm not picking on my parents. Please understand that. Like, first of all, I have said so many things to my son that he will be able to tell his therapist when he gets older. <laughs> and, and it's not fair to pluck comments out of decades of history and put them out there as standalone comments. And everybody's just doing the best that they can. And by the way, my dad was trying to reassure me at the time, <laughs> you know, we're all doing the best we can with what we have. But anyway, message received, right? You can't help it. You're just big boned. Don't worry about it. Well, somewhere in this period, I really started to gain an uncomfortable amount of weight. And I was visiting a girlfriend of mine out of town and she introduced me to two things. She introduced me to Starbucks Frappuccinos and laxatives. Starbucks was relatively new and I wasn't a coffee drinker at all. That I've, that's, that's the most incredible thing I'm going to tell you all day. Okay. I wasn't even drinking coffee, but she introduced me to Starbucks Frappuccino, which was, tasted like a caramel cloud. And then she's like, you know, if you're feeling really heavy every once in a while, if I feel that way, or if I feel bloated or something like that, I just take laxatives, you know, it just all comes out in the wash, so to speak. <laughs> and so I did. That weekend, I took probably four times the amount of laxatives that you're supposed to take. And they were like these chocolate bars. And I ate probably four times more of the pieces of chocolate that you're supposed to eat. Because, you know, if you're going to do it, go big or go home. And I spent an entire day on my weekend trip with her at where you would expect me to spend it after you consume four times the amount of laxatives than you're supposed to. <laughs> right? So that happened. And guess what? My stomach was incredibly flat after that experience. <laughs> and I was like, well, my goodness, frappuccinos and chocolate laxatives? Like, is this the best weekend ever or what? So I went home with that tool in my toolkit and proceeded to abuse laxatives for I don't know how long and I don't want to make it up. But I mean, 18 months? I don't even know. I have no idea why, but I did lose weight. And the reason why I say I don't know why it worked is because laxatives expel what's in your GI tract. So you've absorbed the calories already and you've absorbed some of the nutrients. But what you're really doing is you're robbing your body of an enormous amount of nutrients. You're annihilating your gut, just annihilating its ability to function on its own and also harming, obviously, the balance of bacteria in your microbiome. And you are dehydrating yourself times a million, okay? 
also you are chemically addicting your bowel, which spasms naturally, and that's how you eliminate, you are developing an addiction where your body will not respond unless you trigger it with this laxative. So for anyone who heard me say, yeah, I lost weight doing that, and it set off some sort of primal lizard alert in the back of your brain, and you're like, oh, I'm going to try that, stick around because it almost put me in the hospital and it turned me yellow, by the way, because whatever I was doing, I, again, I don't know why it worked for me to actually shed some pounds. Probably I was feeling ill half the time and I just probably didn't even eat as much. I don't know. And it's stupid to hypothesize. So I won't, but I remember going home one weekend and you know, I'd lost some weight and my clothes looked a little lighter on me, a little saggier on me. And I remember catching my parents looking at each other not with concern, with a face that was like, oh, good, she's losing the weight. And and mind you, if if my child blew up and looked funny, like looked like someone had pumped them full of air, like looked bigger than was natural for them, and then came home and looked kind of like themselves again, I too can see myself being happy about that. Like, oh, she was going through a thing and she kind of blew up a little bit and now she's like back to her normal weight. I'm not actually criticizing them at all. I am just telling you that literally that's all I needed. Like that's all the feedback I needed. To me, I assigned a meaning to that. And I assigned a meaning that they were advocating what I was doing. They had no idea what I was doing. They would have killed me if they had known what I was doing. But, you know, my brain was not in a healthy space. And so I took that as them advocating for what I was doing. Now, I continued to do that. And I turned yellow, like really my skin pallor was really, really gross. And I sort of backed off because I realized that this wasn't healthy and it wasn't, you know, I was yellow. So there's that. And I don't know, it's all sort of a blur now. I don't know what happened, but I think I sort of surrendered. And I, and I remember praying and saying, God, can you just take this off of me? Like, can you please just take this off of me? I have so much more to do. And for whatever reason, I healed a little bit and then I tried dieting a little bit. And I I just know that I backed way off the laxatives because I knew it wasn't healthy for me. And I started doing diets. So I did the Atkins diet and wow, that was not a good idea at all. So if you like carbs and you deprive yourself of them for weeks and then you eat one, You're going to gain all of that weight back and then some. So that's what happened to me. So I was doing that back and forth, back and forth. And I was trying all these different things and essentially understood fundamentally that my body was not acceptable the way that it was. And I had to hack it into submission. That was just sort of the general theme of my 20s. I don't remember this changing. The next big milestone is that I got pregnant with my son and had to start taking care of myself a little bit. And then I had my son, and this is where the story gets a little crazy. I had my son, I couldn't breastfeed him, but I wanted to breastfeed him, but he couldn't do it and he, he, he wasn't able to do it. And so to make a long story short, I did the breast pump, okay? So I had no idea <laughs> that demand begets supply. So I would breast pump 
And I could have fed like a small city. I just pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped. I took that pump to work. I took that pump. I was in graduate school. I took that pump to school. I took that pump to the airport. Like you guys, I could have supported a small city with the amount of milk that I was supplying. So it had the effect of it fed my child. That's great. And it also like burned every calorie I put in my mouth. So I was emaciated with huge bosoms. And I don't think I was exercising at the time. I think I started getting back into exercise after I had my son, but I was emaciated, emaciated because my body couldn't keep up. So now I'm super skinny with bovine breasts and I don't like it. Like I was like, here's what I wanted. You know, I can't be tall and have long legs because that's just not going to happen. But here I am underweight. My clothes are hanging off of my body. I'm super thin and I have huge boobs, right? Isn't this like America's ideal? Isn't this everything I've ever wanted in my whole life? And I hated it. I hated it. I didn't feel strong. I wanted to take up more space. I liked looking like a woman and I missed that. I looked like an 11 year old boy with big boobs. Like it was all wrong. And also it turns out I have a really big head. So when I got underweight, I thought my head looked enormous. So I just didn't like it. And it was so cathartic for me because several things were happening at the time. I was living for somebody else and not myself. So it took a huge amount of my focus away. I just didn't have time to think about myself as much as I did. And so I just didn't. And I focused a lot of my energy on keeping my son alive, right? And growing him and nourishing him. And that meant a lot less time to worry about things like which jeans I was wearing and, and, you know, you get the idea. The other thing is I started to learn about nutrition at this time. And then thirdly, I'm losing all this weight and I don't like it. And I want to put the weight back on in a strong way. So I start getting back into fitness. I say back because in my heart, I'm an athlete, but I was a latent one for a really long time. Okay. I hope you guys are still with me. I'm so worried that you're just like, so what? This is so boring, but (laughs) this is where it starts to get interesting. I promise. Okay, so I think I'm getting lost in the chronology a little bit, but I've done college, then I did my early adulthood where I started gaining weight and I ate all of my feelings, and then I went to graduate school. That's when I had my son. That's that time period, and I actually felt better and looked better graduating from graduate school six months after having my son uh, than I did when I started business school, and I remember just feeling good in my body again and realizing that I just wanted to be strong and healthy. Like I wanted to be healthy and not skinny. Like that was a huge breakthrough for me. But guess what happened? Life. So I go to work and then I start a company and you know, it's busy, it's crazy. I'm not working out as much. I'm I'm not staying at home with my son anymore. I'm traveling all over the world sometimes and sometimes I'm home with him. And it was just a crazy, crazy time in my life. And I gained a very normal amount of weight, like completely normal, but I maybe went up a size. Again, completely normal for my frame, but you understand that I understood that even though I wanted to be strong and healthy and powerful, I was going up a size. And so I had to hack my body into submission because that is what we do. If you're never good enough, you're always working to be better, right? So what did I do? I revisited my old friend, the laxative. So that story was not over. Laxatives came back into my life in my late 20s And let me tell you, they didn't come back into my life for long. So I would binge because I would restrict 
even just mentally, I would restrict and then I would binge. So the only thing I knew how to do then when the pendulum swung that far was to swing it way back in the other direction. So enter laxatives. Laxatives came back into my life for a very short period. And then one day I'm standing up in front of a group. I'm teaching a workshop and I have such extraordinary pain in my gut. I mean, absolutely searing pain that turned me white and forced me into a chair. And I was sort of ushered out of there and somebody drove me home. One of my colleagues drove me home and a family member said to me, and he's a doctor, an MD, he said, you know, when's the last time you had a bowel movement? And I honestly had no idea. Like, that's another thing that just mind blowing. I actually had no idea. I said, I don't know. And he said, well, what you're describing sounds like bowel obstruction. And we sort of talked about that and went down that road. I didn't tell, nobody knew that I was abusing laxatives. Nobody. In fact, I don't know if anybody knows that at all. I, I don't think I've ever, ever spoken about it. What happened was, because my body had grown addicted to that chemical trigger before it would respond, it stopped responding. My gut stopped responding to natural signals. There weren't any. There was no signal telling my gut to do its thing and it shut down. So yeah, my bowel was obstructed. My bowel was like cement. It was horrible and horribly painful and I'll skip all of the details. But let me tell you something, I was scared straight and I never, ever, ever touched another chemical laxative again from that point on. So that left me with just me. So a little miracle entered my life not too long after that, thank goodness. And that was the sport of triathlon. So I was working for a client and I noticed that he had a, a, a banner up or a, a sign up, a flyer up is what I'm trying to say, in his office about a triathlon that was local and I asked him about it and he sort of challenged me to do it. And as usual, I said yes and then I had to execute. So I trained for my first triathlon and I did this little short triathlon and it was amazing and fun and outstanding and I loved it. It was the perfect time in my life for this to come into my life. And so I started training for triathlon. And then there's a period there of maybe five, maybe seven years where I trained for triathlon. I ate whatever I wanted to. I was learning about nutrition and, and I was not on a diet. I just started eating real food. Like I started to care about the ingredients of my food and I switched to what I suppose you could say is a real food diet. And I stopped eating processed foods and that sort of thing for the most part and really put my heart and soul into triathlon. And it was the happiest stretch I have ever had. And I think it may have lasted as long as 10 years because it only recently came crashing down. And so for many, many, many years, I was like, oh, I'm finally past it. You know, <laughs> Yes, I eat huge amounts every once in a while, but you know, it doesn't show up on my body, so I'm fine. And so, so I never did heal my relationship with food, but all of my circumstances were allowing me to kind of do whatever I wanted. And I just wasn't having the same episodic behavior and I wasn't like up and down and up and down. It was a relatively peaceful period for me and I thought I was cured. I knew I would never touch a laxative again and I was a very healthy weight and I was athletic and happy. And I started on air with Ella to share that journey to real food and to simple wellness three years ago. That's what prompted me to do it. I just wanted to share how simple health could be and how just having the right information can change your life. Because it's true, if you're eating processed foods all the time and you switch to a real food diet 80% of the time, 
your body is going to really thank you for it. You are physically going to show up differently than you did on your tater tot diet. Like it's just a fact. And I did, I was so moved by how complicated people made health and wellness and in the diet industry. And I just wanted to get the message out that it just doesn't have to be like that. Well, that's all well and good. And that would have been a great happy ending, except guess what? The caca hit the fan. So if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know, and I'll link to the episode where I came out of the closet on this issue, but you know that I went through a period right in the middle of this podcast where I stopped recording because I felt like I didn't have anything to say because I was totally losing the battle with my weight and my physicality and my hormonal balance and just the whole game, right? And so what happened as I was becoming more and more educated in this space and learning from more and more people is I started hacking my body more and more and more. I mean, I can, I can tell you, I feel like I have a PhD in podcast hacks on people's different ways to get my body to change its shape, whether it's keto, whether it's raw food, whether it's extremely high fat, whether it is intermittent fasting or fasting or certain types of exercises versus other types of exercises. Now, I will not go on and on about that, but this has been my journey. And only very recently have I realized that I'm doing all of this based on that 12-year-old girl's mentality that has never changed. It's deepened, but it's never changed. That something is wrong with me and has to be fixed in the first place. That I will never look the way that I want to look. My penalty for that is that I have to work really damn hard to look the best that I can. What is that? Somewhere I went from pursuing wellness to hacking my body and all of it, and this is what I'm only just realizing, every bit of it comes from a space where I understand that I'm just not good enough the way that I am. And it can be confusing here in this space because is there room in this space for somebody who wants to be fit? Like I want to be fit. I I unapologetically want to be fit. I want to look great. Is that bad? I want to eat well and treat my body like a beautiful machine. Is that bad? Do I have to embrace cupcakes and eat sugar defiantly? Do I have to do all of that? Or do I have to restrict and make sure that I'm as lean and cut as I can possibly be? Or is there space somewhere in the middle where I care about wellness, but I stop being so disgruntled with me? What if I allowed myself to be an imperfect version of this comparative norm that I have in my head that I've created, which is perfect me, which frankly, I've been in really good shape before. And for me, that's horrible (laughs) because that's the bar that I've set that I keep trying to go back to. Now, maybe some of us have a picture in our head of another person that we want to look like or something that we see in the media or in social media, and that's how we want to look or we'll never look like that, so why even try? And for me, that person is me when everything just came together and it wasn't that hard and my physique was right where I wanted it to be. Now, side note, of course I wasn't happy then. Of course I wasn't happy with myself then, but when I look back, I'm furious with myself for not being happy with myself because I would kill to look like that right now, right? So I'm beating myself with a stick that is 
me. I, my face is on the stick I'm bludgeoning myself with. Okay. I don't know who's on your stick. I don't know who you're bludgeoning yourself with, what ideal you have created in your head that you will never measure up to. Therefore you deserve nothing but shame and you deserve no grace and no love and no compliments because you will never look like that. I don't know what that vision is for you, but it's completely made up in your head. You know, what helps me think about this is future me. Every once in a while, I get flashes of my own mortality, as we do. And I just think, I'm going to be 86 one day, I hope. I'm going to be 86 years old. My body is going to be shorter, <laughs> frail, tired, and it won't have half the strength that it has right now. And I'm going to be one hell of a confident 86-year-old, I promise you that, but I bet I won't meet really too many people's criteria of what sexy looks like. 86-year-old <laughs> me is going to be so mad at today me. 86-year-old me is going to be like, you were so beautiful and young and vital and sexy. You spent all your time comparing yourself to a myth and not measuring up. You idiot. <laughs> 86 year old me is really cranky. You were luscious and capable and confident and strong. And still you never enjoyed it. All you saw was what was wrong with you. And now you can't have that again. And you spent all of your time having that, hating it. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're 86. Add 20 years to your age right now, do the math, and ask future you, am I doing this right? 20 years from now, I'm going to be so upset that I wasted so much time disliking this beautiful body that I'm in. It is beautiful. I don't look at myself and tell myself that I'm beautiful, but I look at all of my peers. This, this brings tears to my eyes. I look at my peers, men and women alike. But women, I really have a huge soft spot in my heart for you guys because you have been told that you do not measure up. And it almost doesn't matter what you do, you will never measure up, so you better die trying. Okay, you hear the flawed logic there, right? I was on the beach in San Diego very recently. I was looking at all these beautiful people on the beach. They all were just young, healthy bodies. My heart broke because I'm looking at these young women and none of them would be on the cover of any magazine, right? Because they aren't six and a half feet tall and weigh 72 pounds, but they're so beautiful and they're so glorious and they're so healthy. And they had no idea how beautiful they were. I said to my husband, I said, you know, I pointed at this adorable young woman and I said, she looks in the mirror and she hates that she has no boobs. And I pointed to somebody else and I said, she looks in the mirror and she hates that she has fat on her thighs. I promise you that that woman looks in the mirror and says that she is nowhere near tall enough. Maybe they don't, but I bet you I'm right. I bet you that I'm right 98% of the time. And these women are running around in their beautiful skin, just like you are. You are going through your day. You have a body that serves you. It got you up this morning. For some of you, it created life. <laughs> For others of you, it will create life or it helps others or it does the job every day. It goes to work every day. So many of us, whether we're able-bodied or whether we actually have physical challenges, we have these bodies and all we do is beat the crap out of them. 
This is not a message about love yourself, take a bubble bath, you know me. That's not what this is about. This is about not wasting any more time. This is about finding a space, letting this conversation trigger something in you that says, oh my gosh, I'm here for so much more than this. Like I'm almost over this conversation because I don't want to have it anymore. There is so much more for me to do here. So here's what I'm doing. I'm just creating a space for people who want health and wellness and vitality and strength and they want to feel great in their own skin while releasing this presumed ideal, right, that we'll never measure up to. I see right now in our world, I see like this food and fitness dogma, okay? So food and fitness dogma is a bunch of stuff that I've done, right? Eating clean and eating for fat loss and exercise. And so I see like this food and fitness dogma that is pretty strict and puts me personally into a deprivation and then compensation eating cycle really, really quickly. And then on the other side, I see like this anything goes body positivity. Now I'm not painting the entire body positivity movement with that brush, by the way, stick with me. But I see everything operating in the extremes and I'm raising my hand here in the middle with lots of other people. I just want to start bringing them to me because I'm not seeing them out there. I want to start seeing them. And I want to create our own space, a space where we can want to be well and healthy and we can want to look good. And there's no shame in that because we want to feel sexy and vibrant and vital. And we want to enjoy the skin that we're in. And I'll still help us get there because I don't apologize for the fact that I want to feel amazing and I want to let my light shine, baby. (laughs) And my physicality is a reflection of my mental state. And I don't apologize for the fact that I want it to reflect a happy, healthy, balanced woman. If I'm four sizes bigger, I am still lovable, but there's something going on with me and I need to deal with it. And I'm okay with that. And some people criticize that. And then other people say, no, you're not okay. Four sizes bigger. Like everybody has their own opinion. That's completely fine. Here's the camp I'm in. I'm in the camp that's pursuing wellness and not fat loss. I am pursuing my best self. I want you to come with me. That is the journey that I am on. What you will see differently from me is you'll see me talk less about fat loss and more about just being optimal, beautiful you in whatever way you define it. I don't have a big fancy punchline. I don't have anything to wrap this up in a nice pretty bow with. I just wanted to share with you sort of where I came from and where I am now because you guys are my journey. Like this is our thing that we're doing together. And remember, I started the show telling you I wanted to accomplish three things. I asked myself before I started the show, I wanted those people who ever felt torn between all these ideologies, I wanted you to understand that you're not alone. I want you to understand about yourself that you are designed for so much more than pinching, grabbing, depriving, measuring, hating, shaming. Like you're designed for so much more. And if our lives were much harder, we'd have less time to think about this. I don't want to go that route. I don't want my life to become so hard and challenging that I don't have time to think about this stuff. I want to do the exact opposite. I want my life to be so full of so many things that I'm creating and serving that I don't give this 
stuff a second thought. I just wake up and do my thing every day and I eat to live and I eat to enjoy, but I don't eat to change. Finally, I wanted to challenge you. I wanted to challenge the reality against the false reality that you're creating for yourselves. I'll be good enough when, whatever you fill in that blank with, I will be okay and I will be able to start to love my body when I, whatever you fill the blank in with. Or that's easy for Ella to say, but I, I wanna challenge whatever story you're creating for yourself and challenge yourself with the thought that, wait a minute, I was designed just as I am. I was created with intention and put into this body that I currently have the privilege of walking around in. How about I just start there? All right, guys, I'll wrap it up for now. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. If I've inspired any thinking on your own, please share it with me. I need feedback. It's the only way that I know that this is resonating. Or if you want me to just move on and talk about other topics, we will do that too. You can be assured, but I'd love to hear your feedback. Love you. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.